So today's readings focus on the idea of leprosy. Um, in leprosy, it's important to know that it always represented sin. The effects that leprosy had on the people in the Old Testament is what sin was representing to do to us, especially as uh, shown forth in the New Testament. So in a sense, when you had leprosy, you became an outcast. You became unclean. You couldn't participate in the community. And you lived a life that was filled with shame. You know, think about someone who comes to our Super Bowl party later on today, but they're going for the Chiefs. That's a great image of leprosy, right? They're not welcome with the community. They're on the outside. Anyone associated with them becomes unclean, that kind of thing. How many people are actually going for the Chiefs? I'm just curious. Well, that's good. Okay, we got a couple. All right, you may not have God on your side, but at least you have Taylor Swift, so that's, that's great. All right. The 49ers are going to lose today just because I'm bringing them up in a homily. I guarantee you God's going to spite me. So. But what's most important in this Gospel is this leper coming to Jesus to ask for healing. He had to believe that it was actually possible for Jesus to heal him. And sometimes that's the hardest part of overcoming sins in our life, especially sins that we've been living with for a long time. We can't imagine what our life would be like on the other side. You know, I was really inspired. There's one man I know that I've uh, known for many years, and he's not in any way an alcoholic, but he's just not too tempted to refuse beer when you offer him in the evening time, you could say. And I saw him recently, and he's like, yeah, I haven't drank in like a month. And I was like, well, why is that? And he's like, well, just one day I asked Jesus, just heal my thirst. Let me not actually like get off work and want to have a beer. Just heal me of that. And he said within a week, he just stopped desiring it altogether. And sometimes we think about like, oh, I need to stop doing these sinful actions, but we don't go to the core of, give me the grace to stop desiring the very things that I know are bad for me. And that's really the goal of our faith is the transformation of desire. You know, I once had a woman, she, she came to me years ago, earlier on in the priesthood, and it was, it was a sad moment. She had, she had been out, she had made some mistakes the night before, and she had a morning after pill in her hand. She said, basically, the stranger put it in her hand and said, you know, I, I'd advise you take this. And she came to the first church she could, and she was very distraught, as you can imagine. And um, after we spoke for a while, I just asked her, are you ready to, to turn away from this kind of lifestyle? Right? Because it's not just about receiving confession like in past this moment, but are you ready to turn away from all the decisions that you're making that are leading to this sort of thing? And I really appreciated her honesty in that moment because she, she just looked at me and she shook her head. She said, I don't know who I would be without this. This has been a part of my life for so long. And I see the women and the men in church and I'm like, I'm not like them. I'm not, that's not my life. So she could feel that it was wrong and she longed for Jesus, but she couldn't understand her life without the sinful habits that she had you know, taken up from being in the world. And God can only heal us of what we ask Him to truly transform. He always waits for the invitation. He never forces healing on anyone. And we even know this psychologically. It's true with, with counseling. No one who is forced to go to counseling by like a court order actually has positive results. 
And counselors will tell you all the time, if the person doesn't come there on their own saying, I want to change, I want this out of my life, there's not much you can do for them. So this idea of actually being in a place where I want to change, it reminded me of two Africans, two very influential Africans in history. They're both very famous. Uh, They both lived kind of public lives of sin and, and struggling for a good life, and they were both geniuses. One of them was St. Augustine. Can you guess who the other one was? Kanye West. That's right. <laughs> Most definitely Kanye West. All right. You may not remember Augustine from this homily, but you will remember Kanye West. So St. Augustine, I, most people are familiar with him. He's, he lived like a big playboy life all of his life. And he, he always knew about Jesus. This was in the 4th century, 5th century. He knew about Jesus, but he wasn't convinced enough to let go of his sin. And so even like he had a mistress in his life, he had a child from her, and one time when his mother came to like help take care of the family, he's like, I'm gonna, the kid was like two years old, and he, and he lived in Carthage in northern Africa. He's like, I'm going to go down to the seashore for a bit. And he walked down there, and he got on the first boat he found, and he went to Rome and just ran away from them. And it was in Rome, while he was still like living this lavish lifestyle, where he encountered a great saint, St. Ambrose, who converted him deeply, intellectually, to the faith. And so then he had this whole struggle because he said, I believe in Jesus, I believe in the truth, but I'm not ready to let go of my sins. And he has the greatest leper prayer that's ever been uttered. Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. Right? So he just wasn't ready to take that step. And I want to read a passage from his Confessions. One of the most you know, historic works of Christianity, in his confessions, he speaks about his longing for conversion and his fight with his own sins. He said, But still very tenaciously was I held by lust in my life. I was bound not by an iron imposed by anyone else, but an iron of my own choice. The enemy had a grip on my will and so made a chain for me to hold me a prisoner. A harsh bondage to lust held me under restraint. Thus came I to understand from my own experience what St. Paul talks about, how that the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit lusts against the flesh. And he compares himself to someone who's waking up in the morning, if you've had this experience, where it's like your alarm's going off, you know you need to get up, you know you set that alarm for a reason, but the sleep is so strong over you, you refuse it in the moment. He says, Thus, with the lusts of the world, was I sweetly burdened. I was sweetly burdened as when in slumber. And the thoughts I had of God and a virtuous life were like the efforts of those desiring to awake who still overpowered with a heavy drowsiness are again steeped in deep sleep. And so he knows, he knows intellectually that there's something wrong, but he's not ready to let go of that. And it was only, and it's such a beautiful work, it's very long, but he talks about how much he just had to get fight and pray to get to the point where he actually surrendered his sins to Christ and said, I need you to transform my desires because I can't offer you this on my own. And when he was set free, in a very wonderful, beautiful moment of grace, he, he embraced a life of chastity, priesthood, 
became a bishop, and then one of the greatest theologians and saints the world's ever seen. And no one would have ever heard of St. Augustine had he not allowed himself to be set free and ask for that liberation from Christ. So he's a great example. What I love about Kanye West, on the other hand, Kanye West, he's very honest. right? So his songs, whether they're talking about his own struggles of life, they also reflect just the human experience. And he experiences and he expresses this struggle with sin and where he's at in the midst of it in one of his raw songs that he's heard, that I've heard from him called Runaway. And how many people have heard Runaway before? Okay, good. Don't go listen to it if you haven't heard it, but to those who have heard it, um, in it he expresses, though, it's really beautiful, his shame and his sorrow because he knows he's breaking up his marriage. Because he... He says that he can't take intimacy in his life. He knows that he wants real love and family, but he's so drawn to loss and the things of this world that his solution in the end, instead of asking for help and for freedom, his solution is run away. I got a plan for you. Run away from me as fast as you can. So he refuses in this song to undergo transformation and instead, instead resigns himself of this is who I am and the best that you can do is leave me alone to my sin. And that's, that's a great temptation. I think we can all sympathize with that. That there's things in our lives that at times I don't want to be healed of this. Even if it's wrong. Even if I know I'd be better on the other side. I'm not at a point in my life where I actually want to let this go. Or I don't know what I'm going to look like on the other side without this vice in my life. And that's where we just have to we be honest with God right there. And we stop going to confession just saying, okay, these are the bad things I'm doing. But we actually say, I'm doing these things and I don't want to change it. If you went to confession with that attitude, God could do more to heal you than just saying, okay, these are the things that you say are wrong and but I'm still doing it and you know I know it's wrong, but I'll try to do better. To pray for the transformation of our desires. Lord, give me the grace to stop desiring what is hurting me. And that could be many things. It could be, it could be sex. It could be phone. The phone, just being on the phone constantly. It could be food. It could be alcohol. It could be social media. It could be sloth in our lives or vanity. It's a, maybe a refusal to get more engaged in my spiritual life. Like Sunday, I'm doing more than most people, but don't ask me to do anything more than that. But Lord, give me the grace to actually want to spend more time with You. To be closer with You. It could be a toxic relationship. How many people stay in bad relationships? They know it's hurting them, but they're afraid of what life would look like on the other side of that. You know, there's this beautiful book called um, The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. And in it, he has a dream about people in hell visiting heaven. And at one point, there's just this one scene I want to relate. There's this old, decrepit man. He's walking all bent over and shriveled. And he's on the outskirts of heaven. And he has this lizard that's like whispering into his ear that's stuck on his shoulder. And he's embarrassed about the lizard and the things that it's saying. And uh, in it, he comes to, like C.S. Lewis relates that the lizard represents lust that's always there whispering in his ear. 
all of a sudden this angel comes out from heaven and says, basically, um, would you like me to silence that lizard? And he goes, of course I would. I, I would love that. He goes, okay, then I will kill it. He goes, no, 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 don't be so drastic. Just, you know, just make it be quiet for a little while so I fit in in heaven. But, you know, he got so accustomed to having that lizard on his shoulder, he didn't want to take it off. And the angel said, it doesn't work that way. I, let me kill it. May I kill it? And he goes, you know, no, no, it's okay. It's, I, it's actually been with me so long. It's, uh, I, don't, I don't understand what I could be any other way. It, it's not that bad, really. It's just it, it speaks too much sometimes. He's like, well, may I kill it? He goes, well, what if, what if we just like put it down for a while? He says, no, the, gradu the gradual process doesn't work. You have to let me kill it. And he starts to walk closer to him, and he starts to get burned by him. And the man goes, you're, you're hurting me. You're hurting me. He starts crying out. And he goes, I didn't say I wouldn't hurt you. I said, I wouldn't kill you. But if you want to get better, I need to be able to kill that lizard. May I kill it? I can't do it without your permission. And, and it's so interesting because the man responds. He goes, you know, I've changed my mind, but let me go. Let me, let me run away and go back to where I came from. So he uses that same word as Carney. Let me run away. And the angel says, the time is only now. Basically, and after a big argument, the man finally falls on his knees and, and says, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. You may kill it. And the angel grabs the lizard and it starts biting him and scratching him. And he said that the man let out this most like blood-curdling scream, something he'd never heard before, just this agony of pain that he was going through. And the angel broke its back and threw it on the ground. And then all of a sudden, this old, decrepit man began to transform. And he became a robust, youthful-looking soldier. And that lizard transformed into a stallion. And the man got up and he got on top of the stallion and he rode into heaven. But the angel couldn't do anything until he gave him permission to kill it. And you'll notice, sometimes our vices when we give them to God, becomes our greatest strength in life. Nothing is ever wasted. That lizard became the very stallion upon which he rode into heaven. So what vice, especially as we go into Lent, this next week, beginning on Ash Wednesday, what vice do I need to be healed of this Lent? And how do you heal of it? We have to ask. We have to be very honest with ourselves about the things that we're doing that we know are wrong, say, at least give me the grace to stop desiring it. To imagine what my life could be on the other side. The man could never be healed in that book until he allowed the angel to come into contact with it. St. Augustine was never healed of his sins until he truly got on his knees and begged Jesus Christ to free him of this disordinate desire. And the leper never would have found healing in the Gospel if he had not approached Jesus with faith that you can heal me if you wish. And Jesus' answer to every single one of us will always be what He said to that leper. I do will it. But we have to be willing to undergo the pain of transformation. There is a pain that comes with letting go with what is hurting us. 
but to have faith that on the other side, we will be so much stronger, beautiful, and happier than we ever were with that vice. And to be honest with you, I think the deepest pain is the pain that uh, Kanye West expresses in that song, Runaway. Because it's the pain of a man who knows he's going down a broken path. Who knows that it's not what he actually wanted in his life. But he can't let go. And that, that very vice is separating him from the only authentic loves that he ever had in his life. And that's what leprosy can do, the leprosy of sin, if we allow it to define us. It separates us from everyone and everything we ever loved, little by little until all we're surrounded by are other lepers who share in our same sins. Do I want to be healed this Lent? And am I ready to ask for it? It doesn't take much. Just the slightest invitation. All we must do is behold the Lamb of God who comes again and again on this very altar to take away the sins of the world and cry out to Him in the same way that leper did, Lord, I am not worthy. I'm not worthy to receive You. I am a sinner. But only say the word. Let me receive Your body and blood and I know I shall be healed. And we will be healed.